Okay, we're going to continue our journey through uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. As we do, I just want to remind you, we're in that center section between chapter 1 and chapter 12, where we're being introduced to Kohelet's philosophy. So if you remember, Kohelet is the the Hebrew word that is translated in most of our Bibles as preacher, maybe teacher. Uh, Basically, it carries with it the idea of philosopher. Um, And it's written in a way that that it was probably seen as a monologue, like a one-man play, right? You guys with me? So there'd be a narrator, one guy kind of acting out, what is this idea? How do we reconcile life under the sun without God? Or with a God that's distant and and is not uh, interacting with us in any way? So, So as he's struggling with this concept, there's a lot of confusing things that we can look at if we're trying to say that Koalet's right, that Koalet is, is trying to speak forth truth more than philosophy, we're really going to mess up our minds. What we need to understand is he's giving a philosophy of life under the sun. Life surrendering the, the reality or, uh, of the supernatural and of God intervening in life. So as we continue our journey through it, we find ourselves in chapter 7 and 8 tonight, uh, 9 and 10 next week, and then we'll wrap it up after that. So, so as we look at it, we know that the narrator comes in at the beginning, and at the end to sum up the total of what we're looking at. But in the middle, we have Coalette's uh, philosophy. So that's what we're going to look at tonight. We'll pick it up in chapter 7, verse 1. We'll just read it together. A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of the morning. But the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to sing the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of something than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the hearts of fools. Say not, Why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is is that wisdom uh, preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the days of prosperity, be joyful, and in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. In my vain life, I have seen everything. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness. There is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his evil doing. Be not overly righteous, and do not make yourself too wise. Why should you destroy yourself? Be not overly wicked. 
Neither be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you should take hold of this, and from that withhold not your hand. For the one who fears God will come out from them both. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man, more than ten rulers who are in a city. So surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. For your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it is far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turned my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death. The woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Behold, this is what I found, said the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things, which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. Who is like the wise? Who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face to shine, and the hardness of his face is changed. I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, prolongs his life. Yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity, and I commend joy for men, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep, then I saw all the work of God. 
that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Let's pray. Father, we just lift your word up. God, we pray that you would guide us and lead us, Lord, that you would open our eyes to understanding. And God, help us to rightly divide your word, God, that we would be diligent students of the word of God, Lord, and uh, uh, God, that you, Father, by your spirit, uh, would just ignite in us a hunger and a thirst to know. Lord, we pray your blessing on this time as we lift it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so chapter 7 starts with a list of Proverbs laid out by Kohelet. It's Kohelet's wise advice. Just a miscellaneous group of Proverbs that he sticks to bet together. But what you have to understand when you look at it is it's a little messed up. Hopefully you can see it. A good name is better than precious ointment. Doesn't that sound true? Yeah, that's in the Proverbs, right? A good name, having a good reputation, being who you say you are. But then he says the day of death is better than the day of birth. And you see the pessimism of Colette coming out. Why? Because he's having a hard time reconciling the things he sees on earth with what he hears about God. He's having a hard time reconciling the evil that man does. He's having a hard time reconciling why everyone dies. He's having a hard time reconciling all of these things And he's trying to find an answer for them all under the sun. He's not going to the Lord to hear what God has to say about it. He's trying to find his own answer. So because everybody ends up dead, the day of your death is better than the day of your birth. Because the day of your death, it's over. The day of your birth, you've got a long life of pain still in front of you. He goes on to say, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. So if you want to live your life right, live your life as a fairly pessimistic person. I, I, by the way, have spent most of my life doing that. I don't find any particular joy in it at all. That's why I married Kathy. So she could balance me out and, uh, and be, I like coming home to Pollyanna. Yeah, I, don't, I like coming home and hearing life is good and everything's happy. And, and if I say something pessimistic, she'll point it out. There's, there's a balance there, right? But you've got to see for Kohelet, because he is existing apart from God and trying to find reason for life apart from God, he's left with, there is no reason. There is no point. And since there is no point, what's the difference? He's going to go over this theme over and over again, right? Just eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you're going to die. So this is the idea, this pessimism that comes flowing out of him. Sorrow is better than laughter. Why? Because it's more realistic. Because life is filled with pain, right? In fact, he's going to go so far to say, if you laugh, you're a fool. He, He lays out for this idea, for by sadness of face, the heart is made glad. It's more honest. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. You catch it? So if you want to be wise, then you you need to be in the place of mourning and sorrow because basically his, his view is that life sucks. Now, while I can acknowledge that life is hard, 
and there are always going to be hard things to go through, the Bible also tells us that there is joy in the presence of the Lord. But if I won't be in His presence, if I don't press in to what God has for me, if I look for a solution under the sun, then I'm left with just me. And at the end of the day, just me is woefully insufficient. And I start to, I, I can start to see the same things happen in my life. You ever take your eyes off the Lord and then see where you end in, the, in a week? Does it just keep getting better? Usually mine starts to nosedive. You know what I mean? My attitude gets bad, and one bad day leaps on another bad day. One bad decision goes on another. And that's what's happening with Colette. So get your vision that we're all in a playhouse, and the narrator has said, hey, there's a guy coming out who's seeking wisdom under the sun, apart from God. And then Colette comes out, and he begins his monologue. And the whole point of his monologue is, I can't find what I'm looking for. I've run down all these roads and all these avenues and and in the end, I just find myself getting more and more pessimistic, more and more depressed, more and more uh, saddened by the state of life under the sun. That's not hard to do, is it? I've had the, the fortune, I guess, to travel around the world and see a lot of crazy things and how many, how many different countries you got to go see starving kids in before you realize, man, that's real. There are babies dying right now just because they don't have enough food. And when you go watch it and you see the, the massive scale and you realize, well, I, I can't solve it. All you're left with there in that, in that place under the sun is to, is to weep and mourn and howl. And that's what Colette's doing. Or we can do what, what the prophet Isaiah challenges us to do. And that is to look a little higher than the face of the starving child. And trust that a holy, just, loving God has a purpose and a plan. And that whatever's happening on this earth in the short term for them... Jesus said, I'm going to make it new when they stand before him. So we have to begin to realize that the only place, for me, the only place life makes sense if I don't stay under the sun, I go over it. I gotta, I, my worldview has to include a God who intercedes. My worldview has to include a God who, who enters into my life, a God who's a part of, of wanting to direct me and guide me. Because without that... I don't know how you do it. I don't do it very well. I did it for 13 years. I never seem to find a way to make it better. So I don't want to play, be in a place of just mourning. I want to realize Coalette has had his legs cut out from underneath him. In verse 5 he says, It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise. That's true. Than the song of fools, right? We don't want to, we don't want to just hear fools being foolish. But don't lose sight of what, how he's referencing the fool. The fool is the one who finds joy in this life. That's what Colette is saying. The fool is the one who finds joy. It's better to, to be rebuked by a wise man. A wise man doesn't see joy. He's sorrowful and mourning. And so he, he is not going to find joy. The one who finds joy, that's, that's the fool. It's not the same 
pathway that we read about earlier in Proverbs. Because we have a man disillusioned on the stage laying out for us his view and, and the struggle that he has. For like the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of fools. This is emptiness. It's meaningless. It's meaningless because for him, it all ends with we all die. And then it's over. And then what, what good was anything? That's where the loss of hope is. Verse 7, he says, Surely oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts a heart. The idea is oppression ruins wisdom. Stay with me. And where is oppression? How about everywhere? So what is he saying? He's saying, yeah, we want to be wise and we want to walk in wisdom, but oppression ruins wisdom. And we look, everywhere I look, I see oppression. He's already told us that. So everywhere I look, I see oppression and things going wrong. Oppression ruins wisdom. It, it ruins the wise. It corrupts the heart. So better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Better the day of your death. You guys get the, the symbolism that he's laying out? He says a, a patient spirit is better than a proud spirit. But the idea behind the concept of a proud spirit is a proud spirit is the one looking for meaning beyond it. Everything is topsy-turvy in the world of Kohelet. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the hearts of fools. Yeah, that's true. The Bible says that the wrath of man will never accomplish the righteousness of God. But then he goes on, so say not. Why were the former times better? Now, we jokingly have that kind of thing that we talk about, right? The good old days? Yeah? The, the older I get, the better I was. We, we're all familiar with phrases like that, right? He says, don't say the former days were better. His philosophy, he's already stated it earlier, is that there's nothing new where? Under the sun. So your old days are just like today. Nothing has changed. So don't say those days were better. He says that's not the heart of wisdom. Because in his view, wisdom would understand. Wisdom would see there's no such thing. It's all the same. Nothing ever changes. This is a philosophy of Colette. This is a philosophy that has the absence of God as its root. And so what does it bring? No fruit. No hope. No joy. No love. Right? When we, when we read 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. What does that mean? means those three are eternal. Faith, hope, love. That's what God says. Colette says, no, no, no. There's nothing new. Nothing, nothing lasts. Everything goes away. Everything fades with death. In fact, look what he says about wisdom. Wisdom is good. What's the next three words? With an inheritance. So wisdom is good if you get a lot of money with it. Or you get a lot of land with it. Or if you get a lot of stuff with it. Because otherwise, wisdom is intangible, right? And in the end, you're going to die. So if in the end, you're going to die, wisdom with an inheritance is better. It's an advantage to those, what's the next phrase? Who see the sun. Stuff is important to those who are still alive. How important is your stuff when you're not alive anymore? Not important. 
Colette is saying, this is where this is where this philosophy drags down. This is where this philosophy pulls you away from faith, hope, and love. For protection of wisdom is like the protection of money. We want to protect wisdom. Why? Because we want to protect money. And the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. So he says, wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. But the idea of his wisdom is not the same as the one we've been talking about in Proverbs. What's his wisdom? His wisdom is, eat, drink, be merry, because you're going to die tomorrow. Squeeze what little happiness you can get out of life if you're lucky enough to get any. That's the philosophy of Colette. Again, put yourself in the place. You're in a playhouse. The lights are down and there's a guy acting all this out. You say, Jackie, why do you, why do you say that's how it is? Have you ever read Ezekiel? Have you ever read Hosea? Have you ever read the prophets? What did God do for them? He would often tell them to go illustrate something, right? So he would say to Ezekiel, go bury your underwear in the dirt for three months. And then go dig it up and wear it in front of the people. Now, why is he doing that? You know, to say you should never launder your underwear. Is that the point? The point is he's trying to point to the people that there are hard times coming. So his life becomes a play. In fact, Ezekiel would walk outside of his door and the people would begin to gather where he was in Babylon because the only time Ezekiel came out of his house was to act out or, or give a, a, uh, a prophecy. So they would gather to see what's he going to do. Would, would God say to Hosea, Hosea, I want your life to be an example of my relationship with Israel. So go marry a prostitute. Have children of prostitution. And your life is going to become an illustration of my relationship with Israel. And so he does that. So what happens is people watch his life. And then at the opportune moments, Hosea stops and gives a prophecy. Hey, this stuff that you see me going through, trying to get my wife to come back, this is God reaching out for you. So the idea that you have with Koaleth, a similar thing taking place, right? Uh, The idea of playing out for us, laying out for us before our eyes, a man who has lost his hope, who has lost faith, who has lost love, who has lost his joy in life. Would you leave that show saying, man, I want to follow that dude? Or would you hear the last line of the play? The summation of all these things is to fear God and obey His commandments. So the idea being laid out as Colette is laying these ideas out for us. He says in verse 13, So consider the work of God. Who can make straight what He has made crooked? If God made you crooked, I guess you're just going to be crooked. How many of us have ever said to a friend, a spouse, uh, this is just the way I am? You ever say that? This is just, you know, I don't, can't even tell you how many times I told Kathy, this is just the way I am. How many of you know that that does not fly with God? When we read the story of the rich man, and we read the story of Zacchaeus. They're in line with one another in the book of Luke. We'll get there in a year, probably. But when we do, 
The rich man comes to the Lord and said, Lord, I do everything I can possibly do for you. What do I still lack? And Jesus says, take all your stuff, sell it, give it to the poor, come follow me. And the rich man went away sorrowful because he had many things. And then, so he's saying, the rich man's saying, this is just how I am. This is just how I am. Well, I can't come with all this stuff. And the Lord's saying, just lay it down, lay it down. And come, lay it down and come. Zacchaeus, he goes and eats with Zacchaeus. You remember the story of Zacchaeus. Wee little man, wee little man was he. Come on, you guys, yes or no? Somebody shake your head so I don't keep singing. So Zacchaeus climbs up in the tree because he's a little guy and he wants to see Jesus. And when Jesus comes, he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house today. And Zacchaeus is awesome. And he spends a little time with Jesus. And on his own, Jesus doesn't request anything of him. On his own, what's he say? You know what, Lord, everybody I ever ripped off, I'm going to pay back. And I, basically, Zacchaeus does what he asked the rich man to do. Zacchaeus Gives it all away. Whatever things would hinder him from coming to the Lord, he just lays it all down. He says, I, anything that comes between me and you, I don't want it anymore. I just want you. So you know that's what real love looks like. What does God say? What's the greatest commandment? That you do what to the Lord? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? What's that look like? Does it look like... Sometimes we, we make it look like how we... How we've been loved here on earth. Yeah? Like a bunch of cheaters. A bunch of unfaithful people. But what's God looking for? Faithful love. So what does Zacchaeus give him? Faithful love. Anything that's between us, I don't want it. I just want you. That's what Zacchaeus does. What's a rich, rich young ruler says? No, man, I want my stuff. Can I have who I am, what I am, what I got, and you? Well, I don't know, you tell me. You're looking for a spouse, and your a spouse comes to you and says, Hey, you know, I really like you, and I want to be with you, but I also have another girlfriend or boyfriend. So, is that cool? You tell me. Oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. There are a group of people who do that. And apparently they get TV shows, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know, maybe, maybe their life works out, but it doesn't seem like it makes sense to me. Most of us would say, that's not love. That's something else. We, wanna, we want to come to the Lord. And we want to recognize, man, what God wants to show us is His ability to change us. So what Colette says is, if God made you crooked, there's nothing you can do. You're crooked. Is that what the Bible teaches? Does the Bible teach, if you're a, a sinner, that's, you're stuck? No, it don't tell us that. It don't tell us that, but if I take the equation, if I take God out of the equation, if I say there is a God who created the universe, but he's impersonal and he doesn't get involved in our lives, and I'm crooked, what hope do I got to be to be straight? That's just how I am. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21 has an interesting way of saying this. It says, now, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but wood and clay... Some are for honorable use and some are for dishonorable use, right? So the idea is some are good, some are bad. Everybody tracking with me? Verse 21 says, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use. Does that sound like you can't change? Sounds to me like if you're a dishonorable vessel, 
and you want to be an honorable vessel, God says, come. Right? So I want you to recognize, Colette's, this is Colette's philosophy, is upside down. It's twisted. And the reason it's twisted is so that we can see what's the theme of it all. Life under the sun, apart from God. No God, this is what you have for life. This is the philosophy of life. He goes on to talk about the limitations of, of wisdom. Look at verse 15. In my vain life, so another way of saying that, in my useless life, I have seen everything. Now, that's hyperbole, right? Has anybody in here seen everything? No, neither did he. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness and a wicked man who prolongs his life in evil doing. Yeah, we see that all the time, don't we? Sometimes the good die young. Yes? Sometimes the wicked live forever. Their life just goes on and on. And his problem, he has a problem with that. The wicked should die young. And the righteous should live long. And that's backwards. Why is that backwards? Because when the righteous die, where do they go? They go to be with the Lord. When the wicked die, where do they go? Hell. So humanistic philosophy would say if you're wicked you should die soon but God has no glory in the destruction of the wicked but that the wicked would repent and live right but his God's point of living is living eternally with him but Colette's philosophy is man this is no good that a, that a bad guy lives and he's going to go on and just in case you're thinking well, yeah, yeah, yeah. In a, in a two verses, he's going to say, there's no righteous people. You catch that? If there's no righteous people, then we're all wicked living too long. That's what Colette... But it's true, right? That part's true. Yeah, we're all wicked people. It's, the, it's a relationship with God Almighty that changes that, right? It's, God, it's, it's that relationship that turns that around. So what does he say? Look at his summation in verse 16. So don't be overly righteous. And don't make yourself too wise. Don't try to live too goody two-shoes because there's no real benefit to it. You're just going to die. But don't be, don't be too evil either. Right? This is like the balancing of your, your, your what is it? Yin and yang? The, 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 the. How does it go? The, the, how did I mess up Star Wars? <laughs> Trying to grope for Star Wars and I've lost it and I'm supposed to be a Star Wars junkie. Um, but right, the, the good side and the bad side of the force. It'll come to me later. And so we, 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 we you have this same kind of a concept. We, we need to be somewhere in the middle. That's a worldly philosophy. That's not what God's Word declares. God's Word declares, be perfect as I am perfect. Follow me. Reflect me. Yeah, be, be walk in righteousness, right? That's the path of life. But he's saying there's no benefit. Why be righteous? You're going to die like everybody else. You're going to die like everybody else. Why do it? Because death's not the end. Yeah? The only way death is the end is if you take God out of the equation. There is no God. There is no judgment. There is none of that. Death is the end. So what? Eat, drink, be merry. Tomorrow you die. Live it up. But remember, when you take God out of the equation, you lose all justification for morality. You lose all justification for truth. 
You, you lose all justification for all of those things. You have no foundation to stand on to tell me I'm wrong. If you don't have God. Except your own opinion. And your own opinion doesn't work unless you're stronger than me. And if you're stronger than me, you better have a bigger gun than I got. Or be a faster draw. Yeah? Because might makes right. Once we take God out of the equation. This is the world that Coalette's talking about. He says in verse 18, It is good that you should take a hold of this and, and from that not withhold your hand. So he's saying a little bit of each. A little bit of each. For the one who fears God will come out from both of them. Now what he means when he says fear God is not what we think about when we say the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What he means by the fear of God is the idea that God blesses whoever he blesses. And he withholds blessing from whomever he withholds it. So the one to whom God blesses, that's the one who fears God. The one who has God's blessing in his life. He says, wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. And then what? Surely, there's not a righteous man on the earth who never sins. So that would mean there's not a righteous man on the earth. So why am I so upset about the righteous dying young and the wicked dying late? I'm, I have a self-contradictory statement. There is no righteous. Righteousness is in the Lord. And that's imputed to us by a relationship with God. So he says in verse 21, Don't take to heart all the things people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Why? Because you yourself know you've done that many times. That's an example that there's no righteous people. That's what he's saying. You want me to prove to you there's no righteous people? Don't listen very closely to the people who talk about you. Why? Because you talk about people too. Both of those things are what? Wickedness. We're wicked people. Jeremiah would say the heart is wicked, right? Deceitful above all things. Who can know it? But God enters into his creation to redeem that. This is a philosophy under the sun. A philosophy in violation to the things that God's word would teach. Look at verse 23. It says, all these things I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it is far from me. That which has been is a far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? What's he saying? Here's the synopsis. Here's the synopsis of all these things I've talked about until here we are in chapter 7. All these things we've talked about, I sought wisdom and I just want you to know I can't find it. I can't attain it. I can't understand it. I don't have the answer apart from God. That's what he's saying. That's the point. That's the point that, that Colette is trying to, to reach us in. In fact, he goes on to talk about this idea of seeking and not finding. In verse 25, I turned my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things or the sum of things. He's looking for how does everything add up? And if he could find the sum of things, how everything adds up, then he would solve his quest. He would have the answer. But he says, I, I'm looking for this, but I can't find it. I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. That's his philosophy. Without God, there's no answers. Only questions. Because God is the answer. 
And that relationship that we want to seek with Him. To know the wickedness of folly, the foolishness that is madness. And I find something more bitter than death. Okay, ladies, He's coming after you now. You ready? I find something worse than death. He's pretty upset about death. But there's one thing that bugs Him more than death. Women. There's a joke in there somewhere, but I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to leave it. He says, the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are fetters, he who pleases God escapes her. Now, the idea here is not a guy who's being obedient to God, just the guy, the guy who God has chosen to bless. He escapes the draw of the woman, but the guy who doesn't, that's a sinner like the rest of us, he gets trapped in her ways. So he's, he's struggling with, with, uh, with women. Maybe he can't figure them out. Maybe, maybe he struggles in a, in a lot of ways like that. It's possible that that's what he's saying. But I do know that he's not talking only about immoral women. Right? Because he doesn't stop talking. You ever notice that sometimes you'd have been better off to just stop? I've had a few of those conversations with my wife where I went maybe one or two sentences too far. You guys understand what that's like? And then once... I've never had to apologize for something I didn't say. So you're better off sometimes just biting that tongue a little earlier. Colette, he's on a roll. So he says, uh, He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. So behold, this is what I found, says the preacher. While adding one thing to another to find the sum, I'm looking for the totality of all things, which my soul has sought for repeatedly, but I have not found. So I don't, I don't have any answers. One man among a thousand, but a woman among all these I have not found. So he's, he's basically going to say one man, amount of, among, one man among a thousand is upright and not a single woman. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Ladies, I don't know. I just think his philosophy is all messed up, right? Yeah, it's not, it's not hard to figure out now, is it? His philosophy is a little bit twisted. He, one man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found. Now, here's how I know this is what he's talking about. God made man upright. But they sought out many schemes, plans, many failures, many, many paths that were not God's. What's the point? He's saying, God made man upright. The Bible says, well, oftentimes we talk about this. We talk about the fall, right? Why would God make Adam and Eve? He knows they're going to fall. And then sometimes we go one better. Why would God make the devil if he knew the devil was going to mess up? Have you ever read what, the, what Isaiah 14 or Ezekiel 28 say about the devil? It says he was perfect. God made him perfect. God also gave him a gift. What's the gift God gave him? He can choose. And in that gift is wrapped up the fall of men, the fall of angels, the, the, the whole need of redemption. And we're no different. Didn't God give us the same gift? Don't we also get to choose? And do, do you ever choose wrong? Now, sometimes we get confused when we talk about original sin. And the doctrine of original sin 
gets real cloudy and messed up. So I want you to realize you're guilty for your sin, not Adam's. You with me? What you got from Adam was death. Right? The Bible says, through man, sin entered into the world, and through sin, death. And so, death was passed to all men. Why? Because all do what? Sin. Meaning we all do what Adam did. It's not that we, somehow, are, are we... Are, do we have a propensity to sin? I, I think so, just because of what we are. But we have death is in the equation, and Bible says, no longer let men say this st- literally stupid parable, God says in Ezekiel, that my father ate sour grapes and my teeth fall out. In other words, God's saying, don't blame your sin on somebody else. You get to pick it, and you do it too. I'm guilty for my sin. We all are guilty for our sin, for our own guilt. He's saying, look, I'm seeking and I'm looking, but I can't find. God made man right. But man chose to fall. Man chose sin. Man chose rebellion. Anybody got kids? You ever had a kid choose rebellion? Did you have to teach rebellion to them? Somehow they just figured that out on their own, didn't they? Right about the time they were like 12. Because before that, I could still grab them by the ankles and swing them around my head. and There was enough fear of the father to keep them straight. But there came a day where that fear got a little diminished. And rebellion, they were quick to choose. They were quick to choose. God made man upright, but they have sought out many schemes. So he goes on in verse uh, verse 1 in chapter 8. So who is like the wise? Who knows the interpretation of a thing? He just told you that he can't find wisdom. Didn't he? So this is sarcastic. Listen to what he's saying. Who is like the wise? Who knows the interpretation of a thing? While a a man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his face is changed. What's that mean? A wise man can take your frown and turn it upside down. That is a sarcastic statement. Where's the wise guy? You can find the wise guy. The wise guy will be able to change the way you see everything in life. He just said, I can't find wisdom. Everywhere I look, I can't find the answers. I haven't been able to put all these things together. In fact, in verse 23, he said, I have, ta- I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. It was far. It was deep. It was deep. I could not find it. So, where's the wise? He's saying there isn't. There's not, there's not a wise guy. In fact, he, he goes on to talk about the king. I say then, keep the king's command. Because God's oath is with him. Do what the king says. Don't argue with the king. That's his point. Don't be hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme. What's he describing? He's describing wisdom as he sees it. You want to know what is wise? Don't make the guy in charge mad. That always true? I don't know. I don't know that that's always true. 
I think his point is continuing in the idea. Who wears the wise man? I'll tell you what's wise. Don't make the king mad. If you make the king mad, he can say something like, off with your head. And what happens? It's off with your head. This is Coalette's philosophy. It's just like, guys, if you, if you did the book of Job with me, remember all Job's buddies? And all the things Job's friends have to say? It's an accurate accounting. Biblically, it's an accurate accounting of what Job's friends said. It doesn't mean everything that Job's friends said is true. This is an accurate accounting of Colette's philosophy. doesn't mean everything Colette says is true. It's an accurate accounting of his philosophy. And he's going to tell us, don't follow it at the end. Don't follow it. He lays out, be, you want to be wise? Don't make the king mad. Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time in the just way. I want you to hear this. The wise heart will know the proper time. Now, what did he tell us in chapter 3? You remember that song? Who wrote the song? Simon and Garfunkel? Who wrote it? To everything turn, turn. Who wrote that? Okay. So Simon and Garfunkel read it. It's a beautiful song. Oh, yes, there's a time for everything. But they missed the point. What was the point of chapter 3? There's a time for everything, but who can know it? When is it the right time to dance? When is it the right time to mourn? When is it the right time to do these things? We don't know. We don't know. How do you know you did it at the right time? We don't. We can't know it. That was his philosophy. So here he says, a wise man would know the right time uh, when you should do these things. The proper time in the just way. Listen, for there is a time and a way for everything. Although man's trouble lies heavy on him. In other words, the problem is knowing what the right time is. There is a right time, he says. There's a right time and a right way. How do you know it? If you're living life under the sun and not with God, how do you know the right time for anything? How do you know when you should do this or when you should do that? It's now your wisdom under the sun. It's your rules. It's your plan. No man has the power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. Can you stop yourself from dying? No. There's no discharge from war, nor all the wickedness uh, deliver those who are given in it. All this I observed while applying my heart to everything that is where? Done under the sun. Everything apart from God. When man had power over man to his hurt. I've seen all these things done and he's saying, I don't know if there's any wisdom among us. If there's any righteousness among us, if there's any point among us. I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. And this was also meaningless, worthless, empty. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed now. When you do something wrong, God should strike you dead now. How many of you want that? Not any of us? Funny how that is. Usually we want that for somebody else. Lord, get that guy. He's so bad. But be merciful to me. Yeah? This is what he's saying, man. I I want this executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. He acknowledges. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times, yet his life is prolonged. Why doesn't God take him? Yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear God. The wicked, 
He just 10 seconds ago said, how come the wicked take so long to die? Now he says the opposite. Struggling in his philosophy to make sense of his, his own ideals, he says there is a vanity that takes place on the earth. That there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the wicked. Bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. He says, what's that all about? Why does that happen? He says, this also is meaningless, empty, vanity. I commend joy for the man has no better way to live his life than to eat, drink, and be merry. For this will go with him through the toil of his life that he lives, that God has given him under the sun. That's all that man can do. Then in verse 16, he said, I applied my heart to know wisdom and see business that is done on earth. How neither day nor night do one's eyes sleep. I saw all the work of God. That man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot know it. We don't have any idea what's going on under the sun. That's his point. We don't have, you know where you go to from that point? You go to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me wisdom incarnate. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your soul. Everything Colette couldn't find is found in Jesus Christ. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we lift this time to you. We thank you, God, for an opportunity to study. Lord, I pray that you just help us begin to grapple and understand the things that are going on in Ecclesiastes. Help us see the monologue. See the whole piece. All the way from chapter 1 through to, to chapter 12. The monologue of a man who has lost hope, lost faith, lost love, who's floundering for understanding. Help us hear the voice of the narrator at the end say, much, much uh, uh, reading and toil is going to drive you mad. This is the one thing. The one thing, fear God and follow Him. And He will show you the path of wisdom. God, I pray that you would bless this time, bless our efforts, and be glorified in the things we say and do as we lay them out before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.